Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Race podcast, the show where we bring you incredible interviews, race reviews, and the latest news in F1. I'm your host, Ollie, and today with me, James is back. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Bit tired, but, uh, but I'm all right. How's being a dad? What's it like? Is I, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly a superhero. Uh, it's yeah, it's going pretty well so far. It's it's very new. I've not had like really. I've not had any like young babies in my family or like amongst my friends, so it's very new. But yeah, it's uh, it's well, it's unique, isn't it? Unique's one word, I'd imagine. Uh, but uh, no, it's lovely to have you back, mate. You've been uh, sorely missed on this show. Uh, Sam, how are you? I was fine until about <laughs> five minutes before we started recording. You said my ear looked like a Percy pig, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I'm fine. How are you? It still does, the way you've got your headphones on. Uh, I'm good, thank you, mate. Um, <laughs> I'd like to be able to hear the ambient noise around me as well as... One on, one off. Yes. Yes. Um, and Abby, who has both of her ears on, uh, her headphones on, rather. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. And it, it is good to have James back, and hopefully he can help you guys in the quiz. And I'm glad all four of us are here. I'm sure if anyone can help us, it will be James. Um, so we've already done the sprint... Saturday review, so we'll just forget that ever happened. If you want to know what we thought of that, listen to the last episode. Um, We're going to talk about everything apart from the sprint, so let's start with our weekend ratings. James, as you're back, you get to go first on everything today. Um, What did you, how would you rate the Austrian Grand Prix minus the sprint? Well, I'm hoping that the McKenzie system hasn't been totally abandoned in my absence. Um, but yeah, using five as an average, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there was quite a lot of action throughout the field, but it's marred by the fact that it was another just very clear max win from pretty early on and the kind of debacle throughout that we will get to later with track limits. So all things balanced, I'm going to say that evens out at a five, bang in the middle. Well, that's lower than I thought it was going to be, if I'm if I'm completely honest with you. I thought... I thought being this this your return episode, you're going to be really excited. Oh, wow, man, it was a 10. Clearly not. Um, Sam, what about you? Again, using the McKenzie scale, um, I'm going to give it a 6.5. I thought it was all right, but 
previous Austrian Grand Prix or Grands Prix or Grand Prix, whatever the plural is, have burned brighter. Um, Abby, it looks so sick of me. She just sorry. She did, well, I was probably like, oh, I had something in my eye. It. It, like, it was like the uh, the Picard meme. It was exactly that. <laughs> I had something in my eye. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Uh, yeah, 6.5. I actually thought it was a pretty decent race, all things considered. Uh, it certainly wasn't the worst one we've had this season. So, yeah, I'm, I was f- fairly, you know, satisfied with it. Good, glad to hear. And um, Abby, what did you what did you think of it? Well, see, now I feel really harsh because I rated it 4.5. Because whilst there were some on-track battles and we did see Leclerc battling Verstappen for the lead at one point. For me, it was a bit chaotic and not a shambles, but it was a bit of a a bit of a mess because as you guys have said with the track limits you had all these different penalties coming in everything seemed a bit up in the air I mean even the commentators were getting drivers confused as to who was where and who was who on teammates and that made me even more confused so I've raced it at 4.5 yeah commentary wise that first lap was a bit of a mess it really was it, was uh, it, was, it wasn't particularly clear but then when you see the replay yeah, I kind of get how that happened mm. but I think yeah I would have rated it higher had the track limits thing not been as pronounced that was messy and I actually like you know I don't I think I undersold that slightly in my in my rating that was not yeah that's not swell that's cost probably one to two points for me yeah, so I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a five. I'm gonna go down the middle on the McKenzie scale. It was neither good nor bad. And what really bothered me, uh, and to be negative, Nancy, yeah, um, it was the position. Well, the results changing after the race. That is one thing that we know I can't stand, and it happened yet again. And there was no excuse for it happening yet again. So it is a straight down the middle. Whatever, whatever good was done, it was brought back by the results changing afterwards. I had no idea that the results had changed until the next morning okay again quite busy but that's ridiculous like that shouldn't be the case i know like, i watched the, the after show coverage and they like at that point no one even it wasn't mentioned i don't think well i think by that point they knew that aston martin had lodged protest and then a while they didn't after know that, what about yeah well that's that the thing it was all a bit vague and they're like well it must be obviously be something to do with the results so it was very much like this is provisional but again that still wasn't necessarily good enough it just is it's too messy and it yeah it makes the sport look a little bit amateur at times um when there's yeah confusion Mm, it does and i go back to my other point of what other sport do they change the results after the game's finished there aren't many can you think of any i challenge you sam's having a good think here he thought i'm gonna get ollie on this one i can look at his face (laughs) come on one Come back to me in like five to ten minutes. Days, you mean, yeah. Um, yeah give me five to seven business days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to talk about the race um, and everything that happened um, in just a bit. But before we do... So it is that time of the week where we do the world-famous Formula Nerds quiz and Abby's back in the hot seat. So what's the quiz today and uh, what are we going to get James McKenzie answering? All the questions are to do with the Austrian Grand Prix throughout F1's history. And with James back, hopefully you should be able to get 10 out of 10. So... No pressure. No pressure, man. I feel like you're doing me a real disservice to my contribution. James, have you listened to our quizzes while you've been away? Feeling very sensitive today. I've I've tried to to tune. I think I heard one. If I'm honest, you know, been quite busy, but uh, (laughs) I I did listen through to the French one out of curiosity, and you guys did better than expected. Okay, so question one: Name the two drivers who didn't receive any track limits infringements during the 2023 Austrian Grand Prix. Lando Norris. George Russell. Russell's correct. Is it Norris not? Is it Fernando Alonso? No, no. no. Um, did Max get any? Yep, he did. Yeah, I knew George didn't. I don't know who else. Was it Daniel Ricciardo? No. <laughs> <laughs> An alpha driver. Joe. Joe Guan Yu. Correct. 
Question two. The 2022 Austrian Grand Prix weekend saw two different winners, one of the sprint race and one of the Grand Prix. Who were the two winners that weekend? Well, Leclerc was one of them. And was the sprint race last year? Shows how well Sam runs it. Yes, he did. And Leclerc won the Grand Prix. Question three. How many laps were deleted across the whole of the 2023 Austrian Grand Prix? So just during the race. Well, I I know that 1,200 were looked at. You should also know, because I told you just before we started recording. (laughs) I can't remember now. Um, 700. No. Oh, how many, sorry, how many laps were deleted? Yeah. I think it was about 70, wasn't it? Kind of. 83. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. That was generous. That's kind of not the right answer. <laughs> that's, just, that's wrong. Yeah. Okay, question four. Out of these four people, for which one is Austria not a home race? Toto Wolf, Franz Tost, Gunther Steiner or Helmut Marco? Gunther Steiner. Correct. He's Italian. He yeah. is. Mm. And everyone thinks he's German, don't they? Does, it's because I mean, he's li- Gunther li- Steiner li- is the most <laughs> German <laughs> name. Yeah. There's a, a very, very Germanic town in northern Italy where, where he's from. Yeah. They speak lots of German. Question five. Which F1 driver scored their first and only win at the 1975 Austrian Grand Prix? Michele Albert. No, no. First and only win at the, the Austria 7. Oh, Angelo De, De Silla. No. <laughs> I, I love these. Like a person. I'm going to start the name, but yeah. I'm not going to finish it. This is such a James McKenzie question if there ever was one. Uh, Jochen Mass. No. <sighs> it was Vittorio oh, Brambilla. Question six How many times have Red Bull won the Austrian Grand Prix? Max has won it five now, right? Did anyone else? Did five! I saw that mentioned earlier. That's I'd, absurd. I get, oh, that's probably including the Styrian. Are we including the Styrian? I mean, it's the same track. So? Yeah. It's all the same Grand Prix. Mm. Let's just say five. I have it as four. 2018, 2019, 2021 and this year's. Yeah, and then he won it twice in 21. Mm. Yeah. Partial okay. credit. I'll give you that point. <laughs> Most generous quiz host. Kind, kind of right. <laughs> kind of wrong. Question seven. The Austrian Grand Prix will be on the calendar until 2030, as it was announced over the weekend. But when was the first championship Austrian Grand Prix? 44 years ago. So what year? To save me doing 1979? 1980? No. I mean, considering one of the questions was who <laughs> won the 1975 Austrian Grand Prix... <laughs> There's quite a like, <laughs> clear floor in that. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, I didn't tweak there. Anyway, uh, 1971. Nope, 1964. Oh, Ooh. okay. Idiot. <laughs> Question eight. How many Austrian drivers have competed in F1? There are quite a few in the, the 70s and I'd say like 10 or so. Nicky Lauda. That's one. Yeah. <laughs> Nicky Lauda. <laughs> well done. I'd say 10 or so. Pick a number around there, guys. 9. 12. 16. Oh. Question 9. What is the name of the airfield near the Red Bull Ring that hosted the 1963 and 1964 Austrian Grand Prix? Wait a minute. I thought the first Austrian Grand Prix was 1964. The first championship Austrian Grand Prix was 64. Oh, we go. 63 wasn't a championship one. There's something in my head saying Zeltweg or something like that. Correct. Well done. That's the correct answer. James loves his airports, doesn't he? (laughs) Man loves a flag and an airport. And final question Who are the two Austrian drivers to have won an F1 World Championship? Max Verstappen. (laughs) Gilauda. Did you say Max Verstappen? Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, He did. And your friend. Yeah. Yes, correct. Well done. Right. Let's see if that makes How did we do, Abby? <laughs> I believe you got seven out of ten. And in real scores, not Abby's scores? <laughs> <laughs> Six out of ten. Oh, oh, so there is an upscaling. <laughs> well, 
I don't want to be too harsh, you know. You can be harsh. It's just us. It's James's first time back. He's been very busy this past get, yeah, month. I should get battle hardened. He's you know <laughs> get an extra two points for coming back. It's nine out of ten. Yeah, actually. I should get two exactly. points for Zeltveg, man. What you should. <laughs> okay, and that was the end of the Formula Nose quiz. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about, very briefly, about practice and quality, if we can still remember what happened. Abby? Well, given that they were Friday, it is quite difficult because you just forget that they have happened because you have the sprint and then the Grand Prix. With practice, not really a lot to note. Verstappen went fastest, which is no surprise. Ferraris were on pace, going second and third. And that was it, really. There was nothing major happening. In qualifying Q1... There was a red flag due to Bottas spinning at turn one, but he managed to get it going again and got back to the got back to the pits. The McLaren upgrades on Norris's car were looking to be strong, but it was Sonoda, Joe, Sargent, Magnussen, and De Vries out of the session. In Q2, track limits became a common issue. Both Red Bulls had their lap times deleted at one point and Verstappen said that the track limit deletions were ridiculous. Perez did get into the top 10, but his lap time was deleted, which meant that he was out of Q2. So it was Russell, Ocon, Piastri, Bottas and Perez out then for Q3. Again, quite uneventful. Some lap times were deleted. Verstappen took pole. No one could get close to him. And it was Leclerc joining him on the front row. Then Sainz, Norris, Hamilton, Stroll, Alonso, Hulkenberg, Gasly and Albon. And throughout the whole of qualifying, 47 lap times were deleted in total. I mean, 47 lap times. It, ah, it's verging on embarrassing, really, isn't it? It's now, one lap time for every year you've been alive, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw somewhere that like it was 16 lap times in last year's qualifying and 47 this year. Like, oh, yeah. oh, 16 last year. That's Sam's age. <laughs> Bit weird you having me on the podcast. I'm 31 <laughs> just for the listeners, not 47. Um, I guess there's, there's a couple of things to talk about here. First of all, one practice session. So we've, we've seen, seen it before this year, obviously, but... I, I really think they're on to something. It makes everything that follows so much more exciting. Sam, what are your thoughts? Should we just stick to one practice session? I think it's the bright part of the sprint weekend format that we're we're using this season. It makes it so much more critical. I don't know if I'm fully behind it full term. And I say that as someone who's always been like, look, if you're going to do something, do it. I don't like this, oh, some races are sprint races, some aren't. I want consistency. I want uniformity. But I like what it brings to a weekend. The jeopardy, like we saw in Baku, how it affected Alpine, and in particular Pierre Gasly. He had an absolute disaster class because he, he, he parked up with uh, mechanical issues in practice and then put it in the wall in qualifying and so it just kind of you know, snowballed from there. So I really, really enjoy that, that factor. I guess they're going to have to find a way to make it 
make the weekend not as compromised though because you're cutting out two hours of the schedule potentially if if you didn't then didn't have the the sprint uh quality and sprint race now james i know you're quite opinionated on the whole uh one session then going into a qualifying for something two days later or, or a day later um how did you think it worked this time did you think it, it, it worked successfully but again we'd, we'd all forgotten what happened on friday right yeah, and that was my main point last time, and I think it's, it still remains true that the the organic crescendo over the weekend that normally exists of it, you know, each uh, yeah session ramping up in importance disappears and it ends up a bit jumbled and you can't really remember. And it's like, oh, which quality did that happen in? And yeah, okay, it's not that important in the grand scheme of things, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think it adds more than it takes away overall. Oh, I'm fully with you on on the format as a whole in totality across the weekend. But the one hour practice session is the most enjoyable difference for me. It's yeah, that that definitely yeah, it's it's riding that line of kind of producing a bit of a lottery without going full Bernie sprinklers, isn't it? Like it's kind of finding organic ways to to make it a bit more mixed up potentially. And to use F2 and F3 as an example, because it is a good use case here, because they have 45 minutes of practice ahead of a half an hour qualifying session later that day. And we've talked about this enough over the season because of George Russell's comments earlier in the year. But take Victor Martins, for example. He has said in the past how important he finds nailing practice. And if he almost felt pretty consistently, Abby will attest to this, if he is in the top two or three or top in practice, you can bet he's probably going to have a good qualifying session. And lastly, that set him up pretty well. He won the F3 championship and he you know, hasn't had as good a season in F2 as he should do pace-wise. He's made a couple of mistakes, but he is always there or thereabouts if he nails practice. So it makes it critical. It exemplifies why that format works most definitely the feeder series do really show the impact of how a one practice session can then have a domino effect kind of across the whole of the weekend it does make it more exciting but like james said i it does take away from the crescendo of the weekend because it's like okay you've got qualifying oh wait now you've got another qualifying okay now you've got a race okay now you've got an even longer race and i was getting confused as to which qualifying perez actually went out in q2 in and then I only realised again once we'd done the previous podcast episode. So it's confusing. There is more to go, but it was better this weekend than Baku, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Abby, you're absolutely right. And we we are people who live, breathe, talk, write about F1, and we're we're, we're still scratching our heads. Hang on, I thought Perez was, uh, you know, on Saturday. We're thinking, oh, I thought Perez was out, you know, in Q2, but I uh, know oh, he's he's there. It's it is a little bit messy, but let's talk about Perez out in Q2 for qualifying. Um, yes, we know he 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 recovered, but again, it wasn't looking good for Perez this weekend, was it? And some say, oh, it was an amazing comeback drive. He shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, go on, James. You've no, no, got so, more to say than me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there isn't that much more to say, to be fair. Like, yeah, the fact that what I was thinking then was the fact that he keeps popping up on, you know, like the preliminary results of driver of the day. And when he was there with Lando, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, stop giving him driver of the day for recovering in clearly the best car on in the field. Like, yeah, by a margin, which he's absolutely had a shocker in qualifying and then got it back to like probably the least that you could expect this was better at least he got it onto the podium but he needed a bit of help along the way as i think he probably had the better strategy as well but yeah it's it's interesting because everyone's like oh it's the pressure you know it's the pressure getting to him when he was making these mistakes initially but there couldn't be less pressure on him now in terms of a champion championship battle because i mean everyone knows that's done yeah and you can look at the weekend and go yeah yeah so 15th so you know 15 points that's you know a good haul in terms of the actual race obviously dis- discounting the the sprint saturday element of it but realistically let's face it we can't kid around here it's three points lost he should have and would have finished in second and he didn't because he again for the fourth weekend in a row didn't execute properly in qualifying 
I'm really glad yeah. it's not just me, Sam, who, who thinks this, because I thought, am I being a bit harsh when I was watching no. everyone go, oh, Perez, oh, he's back, oh, he's recovered, he's he's shown what he's about again. I'm like, no, he hasn't. <laughs> the, the Red Bull is that good this year that P2 is the bare minimum. Yeah, uh, It might sound direct, but that is a reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, everyone, people gave Bottas so much stick uh, in his time at Mercedes. It dude never miss Q3, not once. Yeah, I feel bad about that in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> people gave Bottas, I, I, I said Sam. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he read between the lines. <laughs> okay, right, before we get on to the race, we're going to do the well-famous National Anthem Review. Okay, so it is that time of the week where we review the national anthem, and we had, I think, two two to review this week. Um, but it was a bit of a medley, so they, they, they blended in together. Um, before I share my views on it, James, but as you're the guest, um, <laughs> uh, you can go first. How would you rate it? What did you think? It was pretty epic overall. Yeah, and I was trying to figure out where that because you know we we hear the Austrian national anthem a lot these days uh, and to be fair have done pretty uh, yeah consistently over the last 15 years I couldn't figure out at first yeah so it turned out it was the Styrian as well and the fact I can't say I know the Styrian anthem uh, it's they must have done a very good job of blending it together because it was it was seamless um, but yeah no I thought it was very nicely put together and and to be honest they may as well have just stuck around uh, the side of the track to play it when Max won <laughs> And what would you rate it out of 10? <laughs> oh, sorry, yes. Uh, 7 out of 10. Oh, very high, very high. Okay, uh, Abby, I'm going to go to you next. I've rated it a 4 out of 10. Ooh. Ooh. What? Why? <laughs> because you had the woman who was dressed nicely, but then the man singing was just in jeans and a T-shirt, so he could have put in a bit more effort. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I've got points. Hang on. Right. The music was all right, but it was too loud that you couldn't actually hear what they were singing properly. You had helicopters flying flags you and a flyover. You have a volume dial on your TV, right? Yeah, but you, I still couldn't hear them. And then the helicopter and that, it all seemed a bit, like, too much. For, for so. context, this is Abby who awards us points in the quiz when we get questions <laughs> wrong because she feels bad. <laughs> so this must be bad in Abby's view. Abby's broken. Also, What's wrong? If George Russell performed the national anthem, though, we'd, yeah. we, we'd, we'd be on something. They'd get a higher score. Hold on, Sam. I don't feel that she's finished yet with all the problems. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, sorry. No, that that is all I've got to say. It was a four out of ten for me. My God, I wasn't. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I I don't know who's confused me more. James saying that the anthem was epic, or pretty epic to to qualify, and then a 7 out of 10, which I felt was lower than I was expecting, uh, based on his comments, or Abby just eviscerating. Mackenzie scale, man. Mackenzie scale. Well above average. No, but I actually actually really appreciate Abby's comments because she's thought outside the box. A massive show, and then a guy was there in jeans and a t-shirt, like he just strolled from the grandstand. <laughs> Abby, I'm wearing a jeans and a t-shirt now. Have you got problem yeah, with me? No, but you had the woman in a glittery dress, and she was like done up all nicely, and you had the orchestra Guys, and everything. And- if Ollie's wife walks in now in like a proper prom dress, <laughs> when we have the uh, the Formula Nerds uh, Christmas meetup. We can have to dress up to the nines, I think, or yeah. going to kick us out. God, next time I see Abby, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure I have a suit on at least. Full tux. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, I, I love it. Oh, that's that's really, really made my evening. Um, sh- shall I go now, Ollie? Yeah, yeah, it's over to you. Okay. All right, well, I, I don't want to disagree with Abby too much because Abby is... Right about most things, I find. And but this terrifying, is subjective. frankly, today. <laughs> I, I love it. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's direct. It's, you know, opinionated. Um, I actually thought it was a certified banger, to be fair. Hey! 
like, I don't want to be over dramatic and overcook this, but it may or may not end up on my running playlist. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 Syrian, the Syrian national anthem or the Syrian anthem. Do, do we have regional anthems in the UK? Does America for states? Because this should, could could be more of a thing. Um, where do you live, Sam? The national anthem of of Leatherhead, or where, where do you live? <laughs> Rygate. Rygate. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's County. okay. So you don't need to yeah. apologise. <laughs> I'm British. It's just it's whatever music they use on Waitrose, probably isn't it? Yeah. There's an orchestra in itself in Waitrose, Saints isn't there? <laughs> anyway, Sam. I don't know what Waitrose would say about me. Uh, no. <laughs> I shop wherever it's convenient. Um, not that anyone needs to know that. No, I actually really enjoyed the an- the anthems. I thought they were well executed. I think Abby's absolutely right. There were bits that I, when I was watching it, I was like, mm, that's a bit odd. Um, but yeah, I'm just. I wish Lewis Hamilton had enjoyed it a little bit more. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, if you want to take it from here. I don't know if anyone's noticed the Lewis Hamilton thing. Well, yeah, I think, um, I think most of the um, newspapers did. He had his fingers in his ears for the entire duration of it. And, uh, yeah, people are calling him very disrespectful. Um, I'm going to be honest. You know you're on camera, right? Why, why would you have your fingers in your ears for a Wait, national anthem? For real? They're saying it's disrespectful. Like, you know, they normally all have, like, ear defenders in. AirPods, you That's mean. That's <laughs> Well... They have some well, form of ear defense in. There yeah, is a plane if, 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 going over their heads. It's loud. It's loud. That's why he's got I, it. And the child was complaining how loud it was. James, the child, <laughs> the children in front of him, none of them had an issue with it. James can well, test children got earplugs in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I mean, yeah, but it's it's going to be difficult to deliver now because Abby has cheered me up uh, so far on this podcast but I'm me glad. and uh, Ollie I think found it quite interesting when we were talking beforehand how I you know people were saying that you know Lewis Hamilton's rude for this and I was like I don't care I couldn't care less um, it really doesn't bother me he is in pre-race mode if he needs to stick his ears his fingers in his ears to prep to keep his mind clear then mate go for it you're a professional athlete. There are more important things than, you know, a national anthem of a country. Let's not get jingoistic about it. Let's not talk about it for 20 minutes, like, honestly. What? Was I going on there? Sorry. No, I meant, I meant you said there are more important things oh, than national anthems, and here we are. Oh, no, no. Within the context of the show, there's not. This is the best bit of the show. So how would you rate it, Sam? Oh, sh- have I not rated it yet? No, no. I'm just waiting for oh. the punchline, man. Oh, Ollie, you, you, I handed it over to you so you could so you could give your rating without even giving mine. I'm so sorry. I think it was an eight point five. Eight point five. Wow, that's high. Um, mm. Right, based on all the national anthems we've done over the years, um, this had everything that I've asked for. This, ladies and gentlemen, is my ten out of ten national anthem. It was a banger. Wow. Absolute banger. So you have no problems with guys in, like, shorts and a T-shirt then? <laughs> no. Ollie, Ollie likes the guys with more skin. <laughs> no, I thought it was brilliant. It was like a movie soundtrack. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. No bones picked with it whatsoever. And this Abby has been quite a range of scores. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got 10, 8.5, 7 and 4? 4. 4. 4.5. Oh, no. 4.5. No, it was a 4. No, Sorry. 4.5 was, four. Yeah. Five was the, the race. The race got 4.5. <laughs> yeah. Abby is taking no questions this weekend. <laughs> Abby is yeah. in a good mood today. I love it. It's brilliant. And that is the end of the National Anthem review. Okay, so it's time to talk about the race, and I don't think there is any other place to start rather than the track limits. Guys, 1,200... Um, instances of track limits needed to be investigating. Is this something that's sustainable? How did this happen? What do we need to do about it? I feel like Abby should carry on on her <laughs> rant-a-thon. <laughs> do, you, do you want to start off? Yeah. Um, it shouldn't happen. It. A few of the drivers did get penalties during the race, but I think it was more five-second time penalties. And then to have like loads actually not being reviewed and penalties being handed out you can definitely see why Aston Martin wanted to appeal because this 
it can't happen. And I think at turn nine and ten, you ha- throughout the entirety of the race, you had other drivers going, he's gone off. Like Lando Norris, for example, when he was behind Hamilton, kept saying, Hamilton's gone off, he's gone off again. They're having to report on each other because they weren't getting picked up any other way. And then having more penalties added after the race, changing the complete order of of finish. I think Science, Hamilton and Gasly were the ones that moved down. It's not right. Having a gravel trap or sausage curbs or something around those corners would help prevent it. But just having a runoff area where like, there's not really a deterrent to not going wide because it's just a penalty. But if you can create a gap, then it doesn't have an impact. But something needs to happen because it ruins the whole racing makes some shambles of it, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they rightly got rid of the sausage curbs. I think we can all agree that those were not the right way to go, considering the serious injuries that have been produced for drivers by them. But yeah, it's totally unsustainable, this this method. The biggest problem was the backlog and the fact that, you know, officially it's, it's three uh, instances three warnings then you get the black and white flag then you start getting penalties and drivers had already amassed enough for the penalties before they got the first warning which just negates the point of a warning and they can't tell like and i've seen a lot of people on online saying oh you, you know they're the best drivers in the world and uh, in fact a member of our team saying you know on, on i racing we have to keep it within the lines like they can't see like, we've established <laughs> That's like me comparing having to look after my cat to James having to look after his kid. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mate, cat's got a nightmare. I took mine to the vets today. It was very hard work. But a case in point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's totally different. And we've established they can't see the edges of the car. And we're talking millimetres here. We're, you know, we're watching back slow-mo replays and being like, oh, did he go out? Oh, probably just about. But of course they can't. They're pushing to the limit. And we see them clip the the barriers in Monaco as well in terms of people saying, oh, why don't they just put, you know, they do it when the barriers are there. So why can't they do it when the lines are there? They didn't know. You know, Lewis got a five second penalty during the race and then a 10 second penalty after it. All five of his instances were between, I think, like 308 and 314. They happened in the case of like five laps and he didn't hear about the first one until he'd like, he'd already done all of them and he hadn't even been warned for the first one yet. I think Hulk got one after being out of the race. Is that right? Yeah, I was just going to say that. He'd retired and then it went, Hulkenberg, black and white fag. I was like, but he's not even in the race. Like, And I'm pretty sure Albon said it took them at least 20 laps or something for them to then start noticing yeah. that they were going off. Albon I saw the interview was with, with Alex. He said that he, like, he got the warning and was like, okay, I'll take it easy next time. And then he got another warning and he was like, oh man, I'm not going to even use the curbs. And then he got the black and white flag. And he's like, what's happening? But obviously it's uh, 16 laps later. Well, according to the commentary, he was on a bit of a warpath with his engineer because they didn't tell him in time. He like, didn't know that he was racking up these uh, these warnings. I mean, there's a few things to consider here, right? First of all, I maintain that it has to be consistent across the calendar. It has to be the white line or, or an alternative to that. It has to be at the same at every corner. That makes sense to me, right? That's logical. I'm an all or nothing person. You know, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. That works for me. But I think the issue is that it's kind of starting to sully, with Austria in particular, one of the best circuits on the calendar, in my view. It's, big, it's getting silly. And Katie Fairman tweeted a very, very interesting point. Those 1,200 uh, instances averages 16.9 a lap across the field, across the race. Yeah, That is almost the entire field going out of bounds at least once a lap. And Abby, you're absolutely right. And, and James, they're going 200 miles an hour. It's so difficult for them, for the drivers to know exactly. It's razor thin margins. But this is all still done by sight. We have the technology. Yeah. We have sensors. There are things you can do to police this. And again, on the policing thing, I hate the kind of driver being, oh, well, you know, I saw so and so did this, blah, blah, blah. But I get why they do it, right? They feel like they have to. And also, you're in, a, you're in a very intense competition. You're going to do whatever you need to do to, to get a, uh, a helping hand. Fair enough. It's the equivalent of a dive in football. 
It's like it's a, just drawing the referee's attention to it. It's drawing the referee's attention. What it reminds me a little bit of is that kind of, you know, you're on, on a train in the UK and they're like, if you see something suspicious, report it, you know, see it, say it's sorted. Or you could fund services properly so that people don't have to tattletale and you know, go Orwellian <laughs> on other citizens. Do, do you see what I mean? Like, it's that kind of... I sort maybe of, I'm just... I disagree with what James just said, though, uh, and where you said it's a bit like a dive in football. For Hamilton, for example, right, he was getting all of these warnings, one after the other, one after the other. He's going, Perez is in front of me. Uh, well, this was in qualifying, wasn't it? But Perez is in front of me, and he's going off. Why, why, uh, why, why is no one looking at it? No, that was in the race. Was it in the that race? In the race, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to, to be fair, if you're being yeah, told, right, it w- it would annoy me. And yeah, I think yeah. it was a little bit unfair for the F1 feed to just zone in on Lewis, right? Because it made him sound a lot worse than it probably was. Everyone oh, was yeah. saying it up. Everyone he did. was doing it. Admittedly, he was he was on one. He was being Mister Gwompy yesterday. Uh, I did say beforehand <laughs> that I would call him that in that way. Uh, no, but I, th- I I think you're absolutely right, Ollie. That they were zeroing in on Lewis. But he was giving interesting, you know, he was having a bit of an argument with, with Toto. I understand from a broadcasting perspective why they did that. Yeah, they um, know what they're doing. It, it it creates engagement, doesn't it? It gets people talking it about it online. It gets people creating their own podcasts. Um, <laughs> and so the, the other thing I wanted to say about track limits is, and I saw um, Sam Cooper at Planet F1 and Tom F1 having a conversation about what they could put in to stop this happening in the final sector at Austria, obviously gravel trap being the recommendation from the FIA um, or F1, one of the two, um, to prevent this. I think it was the FIA. And they said, we should have a moat. And I thought that would be a great idea. Um, just a moat. Like, really kind of critical, you know. If, if you're not like careful, Mario your, cars, yeah, your car's becoming a boat. <laughs> boat in moat. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. The gravel traps. I, do we know why they brought that? Why they got rid of them? Because there was one there previously. Now yeah. people used to speak about MotoGP and say it was mm. uh, due to that, but apparently that's not true. Apparently they prefer gravel traps because it slows them down better than tarmac. And also, also to that, James, right? And I had this conversation with my brother-in-law last night. Think of the cost to put on that F1 race, right? If they wanted a gravel trap there, they could put it there and then remove it for the next event, right? It's not yeah. difficult. In the grand scheme of things. But yeah. And, but also, it doesn't count for turn four. There's a gravel trap there, and it works. You know, yeah. w- w- when guys are getting feisty and fighty in that corner, often it costs people first career podiums. You know, we've seen races ruined at turn four because of the gravel trap, and that's how it should be. So, yeah, I think it's something that, the Red Bull ring needs to address. I don't think this is... I think the FIA and F1, yes, it was messy, and it leaves a sour taste in the mouth. There needs to be stuff that they can do, but first and foremost, there needs to be track changes, and that's out of the purview of both F1 and the FIA. Now, I do need to defend the FIA here because um, there is an article from Autosport which clearly says that um, the FIA asked for there to be a gravel trap there after the last Grand Prix. It was the circuit that rejected it. So, you know, we're we're all, oh, it's the FIA's fault. You know, they should have thought of this. They did, but for whatever reason, a contractual reason, they weren't able to actually have it. But (laughs) it's ridiculous. I mean, it really is. Do we think that they signed on the dotted line for a, a, what, seven-year extension a little too soon, maybe? Mm. I mean, that's controversial because it is a fan-favourite race. It's a great atmosphere by all accounts. And it is, it generally is a pretty good circuit. But those changes kind of, they could make a difference between a good race and a controversial one. Well, they did. They ruined the race. As James said, he went to sleep on Sunday evening not knowing what the result was. Well, he thought he knew what the result was, but um, we all woke up today to not know. But let's talk a little bit about the race. So let's talk about Verstappen at the start. Who wants to talk about the little fight that happened, what they thought about it? Could anyone have mounted a challenge to Max Verstappen? Let's start with that. No. Okay, I'm moving on. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that says everything, doesn't it? He just sees in a class of his own, a, a class of one. 
He's so dominant. That car is so strong. And they they deserve it. They deserve to be that dominant. They've put together the best package by far. And Max Verstappen is driving in, a, as I said, a class of his own. No one can touch him at the moment. To, to either of you three, right? This is how I've started to look at it, right? It, it's We know Max is going to win. So it's it's almost forget about that part and just watch the rest of the race unfolding. It's almost just, just he goes off and it's all about second and down and, and, and lower now. Yeah, it is. Um, and that's, you know, if you follow Formula 1.5 uh, on various social medias, then that's obviously been a thing that people have looked to in the past to kind of create more entertainment. But the fact is, it's just not as exciting. Like, who gets second? I don't really care. I'm going to watch and I'm going to be like, oh, that's exciting. Oh, is he going to get a podium? That's nice. But it just doesn't get your heart rate pumping, does it? No. I, I mean, I, I think you, I think you're fair in, in that. If it was a rare or unusual podium, a Nico Hulkenberg, say, someone like that, yeah, oh, yeah. that you can easily get invested into the, the podium fight. But when it's, you know, is it going to be... <laughs> Carlos Sainz or Sergio Perez on the last step of the podium, it's less kind of uh, interesting. It's less, it feels less critical. But that said, I do think a lot of the racing further down the order has been pretty good this year. And we saw that this weekend in the race. We had some brilliant battles. Do you remember last year when there was that kind of five car battle for a few corners with Magnussen and I think one of the Alfa Romeo's and it was in there. The, the guys did their best to recreate that as well we had that as points there was some really good really good battles and i mentioned the the perez science battle that was a really good battle for a good four or five laps they went really were going after each other and credit to carlos science he's coming under a lot of criticism this year for maybe not being racy enough but he really really put it on the line there against a far superior car yeah, and I think I think that was one of the highlights of the race because you've got two drivers who have been under pressure. Abby, I, I, I want to know your thoughts. You know, you've got Perez who sh- shouldn't be back there, right? And he's under fire, and you've got Carlos Sainz who people are saying you know isn't is, is isn't up to par. And it was time for them to to get their elbows out, right, and show I do deserve to be here. And they did it brilliantly. I mean, it was it was fantastic. It definitely wasn't. For science, obviously, he doesn't know where he's racing after this contract, but he has said that he wants to be with Ferrari. He wants to win with Ferrari. And I feel like that really shone through this weekend because he was aggressive in his racing. He was going all for it. He wasn't like being tentative and holding back. And even at one point, I think when Leclerc was in front of him, but two seconds off of Verstappen, science was like, that. I think I have more pace can I go ahead? And Ferrari said no. But he was trying everything to do the best that he can. And it was really good to see. And with Perez, as we said earlier, like he is in the best car, qualifying where he did should not have happened. It was good seeing him fight through the field, but it was one of the highlights was watching him fight science because it wasn't just an easy overtake. It was a good battle. And one thing we always talk about is Ferrari's strategy. Um, Would you like a three-stop? I found that quite comical um, myself. Uh, (laughs) No, no. Um, But in in the grand scheme of things, Ferrari had quite a good race. James, do you think that there's good things happening at Ferrari or do you think they just sort of lucked out with a good car yesterday? It was definitely better. Uh, But yeah, it's very hard to say. We can see, like, it's so track-dependent. Between the, you know, the, the rest of the big four behind Red Bull, it just... Yeah, it ebbs and flows. Uh, you know, everyone thought Mercedes was on the up in the last two or three Grand Prix, and then they fell back down to probably being the fourth best car. So it's it's very track dependent. We'll see, yeah, from Silverstone. Obviously, they've made some upgrades, and it looks promising. And yeah, they're, they're still not close enough to Red Bull, but hopefully it, it's going to, I think, continue to, to change between those three teams, who's going to be best of the rest. I'm not as sold and for the, for the reasons you mentioned Ollie about the kind of the oh would you like a three stopper why are you asking that question you then have both you bring both drivers in who are behind Verstappen in the virtual yeah, safety car period exactly then they're, they're not learning but they got lucky because the car was good this weekend they, it, they come unstuck when the car isn't good 
And so that masked it. And Carlos Sainz was right to be annoyed because at the very least, split your strategy. You know, try something different. And was that was that the difference between a P3 and a P4 for Carlos Sainz? It could well be at the end of the day. And that's annoying for him because a podium this year is a good result for them. And I don't think he's had one this season. So, yeah. Also, with the tyres, later on in the race, they told Leclerc, extend the stint on these tyres. And then immediately they were like, oh no, come in, box. We need to change the tyres. So they changed their mind really quickly. But I just want to say, having Leclerc out in the lead for, it was only a couple of laps, but he still led some of the race that was a highlight because then it meant max hadn't led every lap since miami exactly that was the first time a driver other than max verstappen had led a lap in my son's life (laughs) (laughs) james's son is going to university next year i also enjoyed that because it gave us a chance to see some of the progression that max has made as well as a driver his and it was pointed out by Anthony Davidson on the on the Sky broadcast. He was holding back into turn three, so that he would then get DRS on the straight down to turn four. It was very very smart driving, and it shows a lot of progression because when he was fighting Leclerc in the early part of the twenty twenty two season, he was at a disadvantage strategy, you know, racecraft wise to Leclerc. And moves were taking longer than they should do. And yeah, so I think that is, again, he's starting to, because the pressure isn't on and he's got the the mental and physical space to be learning whilst winning, he's starting to kind of add these various components to his weaponry. And if we do get a Hamilton versus Verstappen title fight again, I I think it could be a very different prospect because I think Hamilton edged it for me in 2021 in terms of racecraft, in terms of how wily he was and, and clever and just a complete package. I think it's not going to be the same case next time. Uh, only Verstappen can break first in a corner and still get the move done, right? It was it, it was magical to watch. It was like, yeah, he slowed down so that he gets the DRS, but he, he still still made the move. And one person who it took particularly long time to figure this one out was Perez, right? And how many times did he not figure out that? I, you would have thought that his race engineer was saying it. Um, Max, this is how you get the... Uh, sorry, Perez, this is how you get the move done. Um, we should touch on Lando Norris quickly so he he did have the new mclaren car this weekend but he had a bad start to the race but he, he, lando do you think he's coming into his own now okay it's not fair to to compare him to piastri this weekend but L- lando was enjoyable to watch yesterday he's always been very good in austria got his first podium there uh, i think he got another podium there didn't he uh but he's yeah he, he combined with what looks like a promising upgrade and a track that suits mclaren yeah it was it was nice to see him mixing it in amongst where he deserves to be uh in, on the grid i think yeah and it, it makes me hopeful that the mclaren package can be salvaged this season and on even footing at silverstone I'm intrigued to see what Piastri can do with the car. And uh, Abby, Mercedes, anything to comment before we wrap up? Wasn't there a weekend? Lewis was a bit all over the place in terms of his mentality. He wasn't the Lewis that we've seen previously. And Russell had quite a quiet race. I feel like he wasn't mentioned a lot. Well, he wasn't mentioned at all for track limits. But yeah, hopefully they can bring it back for Silverstone for Hamilton and Russell's home race and gives them an extra boost. So it was Max Verstappen that won with the fastest lap. Uh, Charles Leclerc taking second. Sergio Perez third. Lando Norris fourth. Followed by Fernando Alonso, Carlos Sainz, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton in eighth, Lance Stroll ninth and Pierre Gasly in tenth. That's just reminding me. So Max coming in for the fastest lap at the end and, you know, going full Max. Uh, <laughs> so I love the fact that they took that off Checo as well, the point. Like, just brutal. Not even like, oh, yeah, let's let's justify it because we're nicking it off Ferrari or Mercedes now. Sorry, Checo. 
you're on your own. I felt but like it was Max who made, was it, wasn't it Max who made that decision on his own? It wasn't the team. Well, it was... yeah, he convinced them. They said, we didn't think it's worth it. And mm. then he was like, come on, mate. And then GP <laughs> went, oh, all right then. Yeah. Uh, but so he came in for that. Imagine if after the race, he'd been one of those who had got a five second penalty. And that had cost well, him the win. He, I think he still would have won the race by two tenths of a second. Okay, but yeah, yeah. In, or yeah. ten second penalty. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it, they didn't know that out the realms of possibility. Yeah, it's it, yeah, that would have been in, in terms of our talking about what could have happened with these like post race penalties. That, but this is, but this is why it's important to know that in real time because yeah, at the start of the, the final lap. Uh, Leclerc was a, a couple of seconds behind Verstappen, and obviously at that point, you know, when races run, so you ease off, you just bring the car home. What, what, why go full tilt and accidentally put the car in the gravel trap in turn four uh, yeah. when you know you're going to get second place? But had had he known that there's a chance that he could get track limits, he would have kept within five seconds, surely. Yeah, I've got to be honest with you, Sam. I was thinking exactly the same thing when I was watching it. I was like, Leclerc just just. Keep up with him. <laughs> because Max didn't seem to have one violation throughout the whole race, not that we've spoken about. Um, but he is that perfect, of course. Uh, let's move on to our drivers of the day. Uh, James? Lando Norris. Uh, and I believe that is the correct answer. So good luck, everyone else. Yep, James is one. Um, Abby? I'm going to go with George Russell. I knew it. I knew she was going to do it. You're a meme. Oh, God. <laughs> because, well, if we include Brilliant. the sprint as well, he was the first driver to brave it onto slicks on the Saturday after the wet. And in the race, he was one of only two that didn't get track limits. He kept it clean. He was well behaved. And, yeah, as James took Lando, Russell is my answer. I was I was going to go Zhou Guan Yu for the same reason, so I'm going to pivot uh, away from that. I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc. Sorry, <laughs> Sergio no, Perez. Someone left now. Sergio Perez is still wide open for you there, Ollie. No, mate. No, uh, no. no. <laughs> no. How we started this show, I'm sticking with it, so I'll have to find Actually, else. you know what? No, you can have Charles Leclerc. I'm going Carlos Sainz. I thought his defence of third position was pretty strong, pretty robust, and... Um, um, the main reason is he looks much renewed and improved this weekend. He had the measure of Charles at various points. And yeah, he just looks like he's kind of reinvigorated slightly. Um, and, you know, next weekend is the scene of his first career win. So it's a good time to find form. Okay. And that leads to Charles Leclerc. He started in second. He finished in second. Um, so you've mentioned like seven or eight names there and no one has even said Max. And you're like, oh, we're, we're out of options. I know he's got the best car, but <laughs> he, he did win by like, well, 20 odd seconds and then decided to... Like I said, do we do we watch Formula One now without Max in it? it it's, yeah. it's all of that mentality, right? Poor Max. Oh yeah, cry a river. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, poor Max on his private jet on the way home. <laughs> yeah, I bet he's really cut up. He doesn't get mentioned on the Cuts to the yeah. Race podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we got mentioned on his documentary, but let's not go into that. Um, okay, Abby, would you like to do the championship standings, please? Yes. So with the constructors, Red Bull, no surprise, in the lead still. Mercedes are in second. Aston Martin, third. Only... Four point, only three points behind, sorry. Ferrari are in fourth, Alpine fifth, McLaren sixth, Haas a seventh, Alfa Romeo at eighth, Williams a ninth, and Alfa Tari are tenth. And for the drivers, I believe we still have two yet to score a point. We do, and they are Sergeant and DeVries. But Max is in the lead, and the number of points he has is actually higher than Mercedes in total, so he would be second in Constructors if you <laughs> added him to that list. Oh, man. Second is Perez, Alonso is third, Hamilton fourth, Sainz fifth, Leclerc is in sixth, Russell in seventh on equal points with Leclerc, Stroll is in eighth, Ocon in ninth, and Lando Norris rounds out the top ten. Okay, so that was the Austrian Grand Prix. Next up is the British Grand Prix. Now, we have a special announcement. I'm going to let Sam say it. What's special about the British Grand Prix this year? Well, 
I mean, I would have been there anyway, to be fair, with F2 and F3. Uh, so that's not the special bit. But for the first time in Formula Nerds history, we are F1 accredited. Woo! So we have reached the the landmarks that we need, the the numbers, the um, viewership. And yeah, so we have as home media... F1 accreditation for the British Grand Prix. So that is very exciting uh, and I'm very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a great experience and I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, it can be the first of many races to come for us. So Sam, you're going to be there all weekend in the paddock. So because we'll be at the British Grand Prix next week, the podcast will be on Monday, but um, you will have Sam who would have been there all weekend. You'll have so many, so many stories to tell. It will be a good one. So join us for that. And I'd like to thank my panel. Uh, James, lovely to have you back. Are you going to come back again? Or is this just a I'll, I'll do character? my best. I'll do my best. I, I'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, okay. it's bring, been great being back. Bring Leo with you as well. We can have a fifth panel member. Um, Abby, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a good one. And Sam, thank you, sir. Thank you as well. Well hosted, as always. And we'll be back next time. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.